You're listening to Hey guys, welcome back to First of All, a real unfiltered conversation on career, family, relationships, and culture. I'm your host, Minji Chang. I'm an actor, producer, entrepreneur, here to share inspiring stories and to walk through everyday life with you. Hope you guys are doing well, and thank you guys for tuning in for this week's episode. Hope you're staying safe and well and healthy. It feels a little strange for me to say that nowadays because it's been 14, 15 months of this panorama. Um, and I've been fully vaccinated and slowly but surely re-entering society. And um, a lot of people around me are vaccinated too, but I know it's different in every part of the world, um, wherever you might be tuning in from. And even if you're vaccinated, I don't know, this whole reacclimating to this new normal is a lot still. So regardless, I'm sending you big hugs and hoping you are staying safe and healthy. And well, take care of yourselves, please. Um, I am solo this week and coming at the tail end of Asian Pacific American Heritage Month. So happy APAM to everybody. Uh, It's been a busy, busy month. So apologies for kind of taking a little bit of a hiatus there with my weekly episodes. But uh, this episode is something that I've been actually meaning to share for actually a couple months now at this point. And as much as I wanted to make a very specific Asian American focused conversation, I think there have been a number of those conversations on first of all already. There's some incredible podcasts out there that you can check out for that kind of content. Um, But this is something, I don't know, there's something in my gut that feels like it's it's just time. Like, let's do this. Let's talk about it. Let's share the story. And I still think that there are underlying uh, nuances and layers of the Asian American experience that are just woven into it. So I don't feel like it's off brand or off uh, theme for this month. Um, but yeah, please do check out other incredible uh, podcasts that are out there. If you are looking for Asian American stories besides me, because I'm an Asian American. No matter what I say on this podcast, it's Asian American themed. So, um, but yeah, there's tons of stuff out there and there have been amazing features on like Spotify, Apple Podcasts. I myself have been featured on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much for that honor. Um, I do believe that we were featured on NPR. The little bird told me I, I need to find evidence of this. So don't quote me, but if I'm on NPR, holy crap, that's absolutely incredible. Um, and I'm very honored, but it's been very cool to be highlighted by other lists and organizations and folks who have been um, bolstering my ego <laughs> and sharing, first of all, as a favorite podcast of theirs, that's, you know, Asian American host. I'm very, very honored and touched. And so thank you so much. Anybody who does a shout out or mentions, first of all, in any capacity is is incredibly it's an honor so thank you for anybody um, who's put me on their list and shared shared the show it's really great to know that it's making an impact i love you guys so on with this week's episode i wanted to share a story um about a very significant rejection of mine i don't know why uh, maybe i never will know i don't really care to know because um i'm learning how to trust my instincts a little bit better and stop questioning things but Um, 
I just know that the topic of relationships and dating are incredibly interesting and very, very personally impactful as far as I'm concerned with everybody. I don't think there's a certain person out there that (laughs) escapes that, how much, um, you know, our romantic lives and how our dating lives really can leave a mark. And um, as much as there are so many important political conversations and um, social justice focused conversations, I feel like part of the reason why I have a podcast is to talk about things like this, because for some strange reason, I feel compelled to share my embarrassing stories and to talk about the things that I've learned um, as a result of that and that that could help people. I've been watching a lot of Oprah lately. <laughs> you guys can't tell, but this is my truth. This is the the calling that I, I kind of feel. I've been very, very deeply invested in like every single romantic relationship that I've ever had starting from my first crush who was Brian Haas in kindergarten up to now, you know, like literally everybody, I I could write volumes and volumes of books and articles or share podcasts about this. I could talk about it for days because I have so many stories and realizations and I realize my willingness to share that in public, um, has been really helpful for people. So yeah, I don't know there I don't know how many other podcasts out there are Asian American themed and talking about dating but here I am and I want to serve the audience y'all have asked for it the numbers have reflected it and it's something that I care to share and um yeah I'm just going to put this out there. So let's talk about rejection because it's been my observation from a lot of different personal conversations I've been privileged to have um from my friends who trust me with their deepest darkest secrets to complete strangers who for some reason open up their deepest, darkest secrets to me, like in an Uber drive or in a first, you know, meeting, just getting to know somebody. I've been really lucky um, and sometimes really overwhelmed and not knowing what to do with it, but uh, been very, at the end of the day, I think really honored and and, um, fortunate for people to be so frank with me and be very vulnerable with me. And I know how much these encounters and these Everything from like your, you know, deepest, truest love to like a one night stand to like just attempting to talk to somebody else and getting rejected. Like how much of a a scar that can leave or how much that can like change your entire outlook on life or yourself. And it can be really tough to talk about publicly or even to just even like your friend or a person, right? Just say out loud. It's really personal. And um, so I thought that in light of it being Asian Pacific American Heritage Month and it also being Mental Health Awareness Month, which I care deeply and passionately about. I thought I'd share some, in my opinion, a pretty funny story at this point to reflect on all those elements combined. So here we go. Get ready for one of my most embarrassing moments. I I still don't understand why I keep this story keep kept creeping on me. And I literally have had conversations with myself like, do I really need to share this on a podcast? And it keeps coming up. So uh, I'm aligning with my higher calling and God and myself. And here we go. So uh, as I mentioned, my first crush was Brian Haas in kindergarten. He was beautiful, brown eyed, sandy brown hair. He dressed up as Dracula in kindergarten for Halloween, I was strawberry shortcake. It was adorable. 
And he sat diagonal to me in my kindergarten class. And I remember he liked candy corn and I thought it was kind of gross and tasted like wax, but I ate it because Brian Haas liked it. So I wanted to have a connecting point of interest with him. So I too ate candy corn. These are the memories that I have, you guys. Okay. I just came out of the womb being you know, very romantically inclined. I've met a lot of different people and everyone has their different origin story of like when they had their first crush, when they first encountered like that spark within them. Some people were super oblivious until they were like 13 and bless their hearts. Like I'm a little bit jealous. Like That sounds so carefree because as much as, you know, romance and having crushes and you know, that beautiful, the butterflies in your stomach and all of the joy and excitement that comes along with that. It's also very soul crushing. It is also extremely nerve wracking and gives a lot of anxiety and creates a lot of different scars and wounds that like, I'm a little envious of the people that were unscathed until they were 13. I'm like, that sounds blissful. Like, wow, you got 13 whole years not dealing with this mess. So yeah, I just happened to be cut from a different cloth and, um, I was uh, romantically inclined since I was like five years old, maybe even four, because I was like all in the Disney movie thing. And even when I didn't have an object of affection, I just like really bought into it. And I felt the butterflies, even when I didn't have somebody that I directed those butterflies towards. So that's a little bit of context about me. And every single person that has been special to me, I to this day as a grown woman, like really treasure. And I think is a really beautiful part of my life. And I think, and, um, in my adult life, I've had more (laughs) experiences and more, um, types of relationships that have varied and caused me all kinds of everything under the sun. And this one particular, uh, story was five years ago now. And, um, I will change the name of this individual to protect their identity. And, uh, I will vaguely refer to certain places and things so that y'all just like to keep some level of privacy, you know, but, um, basically in my life at collaboration, you know, I had been producing showcases and participating in conferences, creating my own conference Sidebar, if you missed the Empowered Creative Leadership Conference, you can still check that out on YouTube and Facebook because it's still there and you can watch it for free. Thank you to everyone who came out this past weekend. Um, But anyways, yeah, I'm a total leadership geek and I uh, love being in the mix. I am also an artist. I'm an actor. I am a producer and a filmmaker and I love to learn about the industry. I love to meet other creative people. So I've been constantly traveling all across America year round, honestly, since 2000, what, nine, really since more so since 2012, um, to attend all kinds of festivals and concerts and gatherings of all different kinds. And it's been awesome. I have learned so much and met really, really great people. So there was this one, uh, particular event that I had flown out to a major, (laughs) a major city in the U S to attend. And I was producing an event at this, at this, um, it was like, it was at a festival, right? Um, it was one of the festivals that I was producing an event at. And for context sake, I had just, um, actually broken up with somebody and 
broken up feels kind of like a misnomer because we'd only been dating for, I'd say, two to three months. But one of those months, this person that I had been dating was actually really sick. So I didn't see him for a while. And it was very, you know, casual and um, not a super serious committed relationship. But we had a number of different issues. You know, we had a lot of great chemistry. We got along really well, but it just wasn't working out. And so as I was like, I remember on my flight to go leave LA for this festival, um, the flight out was where I was breaking up with this person. And mind you, just again, we hadn't been seeing each other for almost a month because he had been sick and busy and um, dealing with all kinds of personal stuff. So we'd already been kind of drifting, but the nail in the coffin happened as I got on my plane to fly out to this festival. So little dramatic, but you know, it happens. And, um, it wasn't super heartbreaking because we weren't incredibly emotionally invested, but regardless, I like this person. We had built a connection. You know, when you are building the beginnings of a relationship, you're always really curious and excited and wondering like, Oh, where can this go? And I like the rest of humanity would felt the same way. And I was like, Oh, you know, I didn't want, this is not how I saw this ending. Um, this is not the way I wanted it to end. And any loss is a loss, right? So I did feel that loss and I was really sad. I was really bummed out. I did. I'm a crier, you guys. I cry when I'm happy, sad, mad, anything. Um, so I was, I was shedding tears on that plane ride. It was not fun. Um, when I arrived at the major U.S. city for this festival, my best friend actually happened to be there for work, too. So um, she was there and it was really awesome that uh, I got to see her. So there are all these things, you know, I was like there to produce and attend this festival and be part of it and and have a good time. And regardless, there's so many events and friends to see. Um, it's not like there was it was all bad, but I, I came with a cloud over my head. Right. And I shared that with my best friend upon arrival because I, I got there a little bit early to hang out with her because her work was hooking her up with like a really dope Airbnb. And so I got to, I, I was just excited to spend time with her and, um, you know, relax and have like a, a little mini work vacation. Like I was going to be working, but from a really cool Airbnb. And you guys might think that that's lame, but I think that it's really fun. Like if I'm going to write and do emails, like do it from a new location in a cool different city, you know? So I arrived at the city, um, alerted my, you know, called, rallied my, my troops available to me. I told her what was up. She's like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Like, come hang out. We'll eat. We'll hang out and you can unwind and it'll be great. So, uh, this was five years ago. It was 2016. I, I, upon arriving, this is in the thick of me being like full on single ladies, kind of sowing my wild oats really heavily into the dating apps scenario like scene and um to soothe my my wounds as soon as I landed I think I think I hopped back on the apps and why I'm compelled to share these details about myself I don't know but here we go y'all get you can get to know me it's fine um I was back on the apps and I was like okay we're gonna scope out the boys here and said major metropolitan city and see what's up and it's a festival too you know there's a lot of different folks flying in and out um 
for the occasion. So it was a distraction, but like I just hopped back on it. My sidebar, um, the guy that I had just broken up with, you know, quote unquote, he was somebody that I met, met on a dating app too. I've actually had a lot of really good experiences and met some really cool, awesome people via dating apps. Um, minimal awful people because I just feel like they don't really get past my screening where we're going to even encounter each other in real life. Um, plenty of creepers via text, but like in real life, I've met some really cool people. So I hop back on the app and I'm, I think I'm in like a, a lift or something on my way to my friend's Airbnb. And, uh, in that I had, you know, swiped right on some people. And I think by the time that I got there, or when I got there, it was literally that first day that I arrived in the city. I matched with somebody. I matched with several people, but this one somebody that kind of caught my eye. Um, I'll be very transparent about him, though not telling you who he is. He was a Korean American guy. And um there's something exciting to me <laughs> about matching with an Asian dude. Because like honestly, a lot of the guys that I had been matching with or seen a lot um, on dating apps that I matched with, a lot of them were white guys. And, um, it wasn't something that I was seeking out personally. I have a lot of thoughts and opinions about the whole dating app scene, but, um, I don't know. It was like a a guy, it's not even just attractiveness because everybody's preferences are different. It was like my type of attractiveness. And it's, again, we'll have a, we'll do a whole other dissection on like how I, I screen and we all screen. And I think I've already done an episode on this. We've done dating app episodes, I think with just you, that one was really fun. So go check that out. But there's a whole way that I know that everybody, you know, when you swipe, um, you, you assess people in a different way and it's based on their photos. What's in their bio? What did they include? What did they not include? How many photos did they include? How many of them are just themselves? Are they with friends? Do they seem outgoing? You like, we've figured out kind of, subconsciously and consciously along the way over the last few years, how to, how to assess a person and how to kind of tell and create an instinct or a feeling or an inkling that that person might be a good person to swipe right on. And so I was shocked because, um, he just seemed like a cool guy just from his profile alone. And lo and behold, really quickly, that first day that I arrived, we matched and, um, it was Bumble. So I reached out and I thank Bumble because <laughs> I was not the type of girl that was ever confident enough to like hit on a guy first, but you know, it's required on Bumble. And I think that it's a good thing. And it taught me how to just open a conversation and say hi. So we matched, I said hi. And, um, I think within like that day, by the end of that night, we had like, Hey, you know, like want to meet up and like grab a bite to eat or something. It was very, very good vibes really good vibes. Um, nothing overly creepy, nothing strange, just really friendly and cordial and like good chemistry. Right. So we met up, um, the following day and I, this is like my first day out for this festival. And of course, like I'm already on a bumble date and we met up for dinner and it was really fun. And like getting to know him was great. He was, uh, he seemed more like a little bit on the shyer side or reserve, which I kind of, I think is really cute. Um, and he, uh, was really easy to talk to. We actually found out we knew people in common and found out where he was originally from and like swap life stories. It was really fun. And it was very, 
respectful and it wasn't creepy. We just grabbed food, right? We had dinner. And so we parted and I actually told him like, Hey, I'm here to like produce an event at some point this week. If you want to come out, like, you know, feel free. And so he was like, yeah, absolutely. And you know, at any point in those dates, you, you got to have some decent expectations of like, you don't want to be overly pushy. Well, this I'm saying for me, I won't dictate what you want to do for me. I don't want to be overly pushy. I don't want to come off overly aloof. So it's kind of finding the right medium of, Hey, I enjoyed like your company, not cutting it off there and like making it open. So like, Hey, if you want to hang out again, like let's do it. But also preserving my dignity and like not wanting to, you know, deal with rejection. So like, if he doesn't want to come keeping it low stakes and be like, if you, if you're free and you want to come out, like you're invited. If you don't, if you're busy, totally understand, but it was really great to meet you. Okay. This is after honing this skill. Cause I have been so shy and so awkward and so bad at like that exchange, my God, you guys, stories on stories. But I, I was relatively confident at that point. Um, and I felt a good vibe from him, which is a very important, like, key factor in this, um, that it was really nice. You know, we had had a good time. We talked for like a couple hours. I mean, I can talk a lot by myself, but we had had a good conversation. I could feel that it was good. So invited him and um, we remained, you know, in, t- in touch. So we were texting. I think my event was like two days after that. But um, yeah, he ended up coming. He came to, I actually had two events. So he came um, to my event and like socialized. He brought a friend. It was cool. It was like, it was wonderful. And um, we got along and I just like, I don't know. <laughs> this is like full disclosure. It was just like, I was so touched that like, oh, this random cute boy I was starting to build a story in my head. Okay. Like full disclosure, I was starting to be like, Oh wow. Like that's so sweet. Um, this also just revealing of like what my expectations of guys have been. Don't judge me. I'm being honest. Okay. But yeah. So a couple of days later we had been touched via text. He came out to the event. We had a great time, you know, and like, um, I wasn't fixated on him because I had to run an event. So I was like doing my thing. Um, I was a little bit nervous because this person that I was just getting to know, but I thought was cute, was like seeing me in action. And it's different when you're like, means a lot, honestly. Like I try to downplay how much that can mean to me. But if I'm inviting you into my world, anybody, guy or like friend or anything, it means a lot. You know, I get self-conscious. I get really nervous. I get really flustered and like, Oh God, now I'm going to like, I was feeling so confident about speaking on the microphone. Now I'm going to like screw it all up. (laughs) I'm going to say the stupidest thing. And it's going to be in the presence of this person that I think is cute or I'm trying to impress, you know, that could be a sponsor. That could be an artist. That could be so many other people, but yeah, it's pretty high stakes when it's like a cute, it's not what you think is cute. Um, luckily I survived it. It went swimmingly and we had a whole mess of things when you're running an event, especially when you're not in your own, like you're, you don't have home court advantage and you don't have like your own car and your, um, like your usual friends and people to kind of help you clear out. And like, you don't know the lay of the land. It is chaotic. Right. So I was not in LA. I was running this event. We were wrapping up. We had so much like stuff to handle. We had step and repeat banners. We had handouts that we were doing. We had gear and I was dispersing because, you know, I was the one in charge and my team and I, we had to like the collab team, we had to like figure out how to disperse everybody, how to 
tell everyone where to go, um, debrief, car stuff, like loading, unloading. It was, it was a lot, right? So I was extremely tired. Mind you, I'm in a different time zone too, um, running at a hundred miles an hour because event days are always really, really intense, which I love. I love, I love, there's no business like show biz. I love show days, which events are like shows to me, mini shows. So, um, it was really fun. And so we'd spent another like couple hours, like he hung out and stayed the whole entire time. I think he had a fun, he had fun too. And again, I wasn't like babysitting him and I really liked that because he had his friend and he was meeting other people. It was, it was great. Um, so that was already like the second time we're hanging out. Then the third time we actually hung out after the event. So, um, I really don't think he'll ever listen to this. <laughs> Sorry, having like a pause here. He's not going to listen to it. And if he does, it's fine. It's my story. It's what happened. I have no shame. You'll see why. Um, oh, you'll hear why. So he invited me. He's like, yeah, you know, after, cause this was like in the middle of the afternoon event. And after he's like, Hey, if you want to come kick it or like eat or something, like, let me know. So I did my whole, you know, breakdown of the event. We put everything away. Everybody was kind of dispersed. And one important factor was like, I was the one that rented the car that we were all like getting around in. And there was obviously public transportation, there were Ubers and Lyfts, but like I had offered to kind of be a driver. Um, and also people were adults, like they could get around, but whatever. I play dead mother. Okay. Cause I was the director and it was what it was. But, um, yeah, after I made sure everybody was like, you know, they all went away on their separate things to go to their different parties and their different events and all that. I was like, okay, I'm going to like, I'm going to take off for my night. And I was very, um, you know, conveniently vague about where I was going to go, but I made sure everybody was like off doing their thing. They're good. And, um, went over to his place and to, you know, just hang out with him. And so it was really nice. And of course, like I'm half delirious, <laughs> like real talk. I was so tired because, sleep deprivation, very little food and water, but I was, and I was also nervous and excited. Kind of a crazy combination. I was not very wise, but I was just like, yeah, you invited me over. Like, yeah, let's hang out. And at that point I was like in high anticipation mode. I was like very excited at like, Oh, what's going to happen? Uh, who's going to make the first move. Of course, I wanted him to make the first move, but I just didn't know, you know, and I showed up and um, met up at his place, really beautiful place. He lives alone. And I was very impressed by that. I was like, ooh, grown man, love it. Um, and he was just very, again, it was like, it was very chill. Like that's something I really appreciate about our interaction. Um, as nervous as I was, because of course I'm creating all this frenzy in my own head. Um, he, he didn't make me uncomfortable. I think that that's something that was really important and why I was so down to like hang out with him third time within like, was it 48, 30, 72 hours within three days, like three times, twice in a day, you know, it's a lot. So, um, we hung out, he was giving me the tour of his building. It was very cool. And just like, getting to see his digs. And like, that's, that's always like fun for me. I just genuinely am curious about every person I ever meet. And I love to know their entire life story and like what their favorite color is and all that stuff. But especially when you think someone's cute, especially, um, I think by then I would also like stalked his Instagram a little bit and all that stuff is great. 
uh, you know, standard protocol. Don't roll your eyes at me and act like you don't do the exact same because this is very standard protocol, especially when you are given access to someone's Instagram. I personally don't give my Instagram to people. I mean, it's been a long time since I've been on a dating app, but like, I don't do that because my entire life's there and I want to reveal what I want to reveal when I want to reveal it. But anyways, at that point, um, he was very hospitable. We went and he, (laughs) sorry, I have to just note (laughs) one of the things that I realized that like we had already been hanging out for maybe like half an hour before we even went into his place. I used the bathroom. And one of the things I realized when I got in, because I fixed my makeup before I left, but because I was tired and kind of rubbing my eyes, I looked kind of like a raccoon by the time I got to his place. So the first 30 minutes I hung out with him, I checked the bathroom mirror and I was like, oh dear God, like I, I smudged my eyeliner. So I looked more tired and you want to look your best, you know, in general, I would, I'd like to be presentable, but like, it was just signaling to me. I was like, girl, you tired. But I was like, pull it together, Chang. Like, Minji, we're going to handle that and get your toilet paper, fix it up, get a little lotion, clean up the eyeliner, fresh as a daisy, do your thing, get back out there. So I had a little moment. I just remember that because I was so embarrassed. Um, This is real life. It's imperfect eyeliner, being deliriously tired and yeah, showing up disheveled for like a third date. Anyway, uh, we settled in and this is where I think it gets really funny because uh, everything's 2020 in hindsight. He was really, really sweet and accommodating, beautiful place, um, had offered me wine. And like anybody who knows me, I, I don't really drink because I am a terrible drinker. I have whatever weak alcohol genetics from my mom. If I so much as like get a sniff of like the vapor of wine, I get buzzed. I get buzzed off kombucha. Okay. That is, that's just how I am designed. And, um, but like, clearly he's like setting a a good, nice vibe. And it's, that's honestly a point of self-consciousness for me because I don't drink. Um, I know that a lot of people do, a lot of adults enjoy wine, beer, cocktails, whatever. I feel like it's a liability for me because I go zero to drunk really fast. And then I become not even sloppy. I just pass out. Like I get so tired. So that was already a no, cause I was already tired, um, but I declined. He's like, Hey, do you want some wine? Like blah, blah, blah. And he was making jokes about it. And I was like, no, I'm good. I'll have water. And so that was a genuine answer. And he was very kind about it. It didn't make me feel weird about it, but that was already like, you know, in terms of a small move, number one, that was one. Secondly, um, he wanted to like sit with me on the couch and he's like, do you want to watch something and blah, blah, blah. Right. And we're totally entering Netflix and chill zone. Right. And, uh, I was like, sure. So like while he's getting himself wine, because I was like, you enjoy it. That's totally fine. I'm the one that's like Netflix controller, right? <laughs> and so there's a variety of things you can choose to watch on Netflix that sets a sets a mood, right? So this is my contribution to to this this gathering, if you will. I'm pretty sure it is either one of these, and either one of these makes me laugh right now. But I chose it was either Back to the Future, <laughs> or it was Indiana Jones. It was one of them. It was a 90s, or Back to the Future is a freaking 80s movie. It was a throwback, fun, like stuff that I watch when I'm with like my family during Thanksgiving kind of movie. <laughs> That's what it shows. So I laugh at that because it's totally sexy, right? I mean, 
the sexiest thing. Anyways, I don't even know. I was just like, ooh, this looks fun. And so I chose it and we played. I'm pretty sure it was now. Now that I think about it, I think it was Indiana Jones, which is like, again, I think it's an excellent choice. If somebody chose Indiana Jones with me, I'd be like, my man, like good taste. I like it. Like, Good choice. We're vibing. Um, but in hindsight, at that moment, given the setting and everything, I think it was a little bit like a funky choice. Um, but anyways, that was the the second thing that I did. And then the third thing was, uh, <laughs> it wasn't a cold night, but he was like, Hey, do you want it? Like, do you want me to get a blanket so we can like cuddle up? And I was like, no, I'm warm. So <laughs> I think I kind of like get set a different tone again and yeah, shot that down. So there was no blanket for cuddling and you can cuddle without a blanket. That's not like you have to have one to cuddle, but it just, again, creates a different energy, you know, having a nice little blanket to cuddle with. Um, and then he was affectionate. We were cuddling. We're like watching a movie on the couch and I was getting so tired. I was genuinely tired. Um, and you know, he had like his hand on my leg. It was like a sweet moment. It was very like, and I remember feeling the butterflies and feeling funny, but I, again, didn't feel weird. I'm saying that emphatically because I know a lot of different people listen to this podcast. If you feel unsafe or you feel weird, do not proceed. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. You get out of there. Like if your body is telling you like, this is not a good moment. I should not be here. I don't feel comfortable with this person. Find a way to safely exit that situation. The reason why I stayed was because I felt really comfortable with this guy and he was very respectful. And the whole like him putting his hand on my leg was very welcomed at that point. Okay. Um, so obviously he's like going better to towards the move situation. Um, and I was just like, saying these things. I was like, wow. I was like, I'm so sorry. I, I yawned. I think I was yawning a lot. I was like, I'm so sorry. Like I'm, I'm just so tired. I think it's been a really long day. He was very sweet about it. He's like, do you want to crash here? Like again, and that implies certain things. Um, he could also, and I also think like if I chose to stay there, I could have just passed out and he would have been completely like kind about that. But I was just like, again, it was the way I answered. I was like, no, I have to go pick people up. Which was like, in my mind, my obligation, but at the truth of it, objectively, wasn't like people could have found their way back. They all had a way back. I didn't have to, but I just said no. And I was like, no, I can't stay. I got to pick people up. So I like, I essentially cock block myself. That's that. And I think there were other examples, but those are the key points that I'm just going to convey because we don't need to get into more. It's so cringy already. Um, but that poor guy. Uh, very, he handled it like a champ. He was very sweet and like escorted me out, walked me back to my car. I left, I picked people up and I didn't even pick up everybody because everybody was still out. You know, I think I picked up like one person. So anyway, I was just tired. I think I was out of it. I was tired. And at the end of the day, it wasn't the right time for like that, that next step or anything physical or intimate to happen. And I was fine with that, but I also felt like, well, that didn't go the way that I thought. And I left personally feeling weird about myself, not about him, but about myself. Then the next, my next event came around, which was the next day and he didn't text me. So I was like feeling, I was really in my head because I was like, wow, I, I think I just like kind of 
blew that. I blew it last night. He was so sweet. And like, I just appreciated like how kind he was. It makes me kind of sad that like a guy being respectful suddenly makes me want to like give them flowers. Cause I think that that's a baseline expectation that ought to be foundational to any interaction. And it's not something to be like, I think it's something to applaud because it is something good and I want more of that, but I don't feel like it's worthy of some like throwing someone a parade. But sadly for me, I think it kind of at that point in my life, I don't know, this gets deep into my psyche, but I was just like very grateful that he was so chill about it. And I was just excited. I was like, okay, well, he told me he's going to come to my second event. So we can kind of make up for it. And hopefully I'm a little bit more refreshed and we can like pick up from where I left off and it won't be that big a deal. So I was really looking forward to it. And mind you, I'm running another event and it does require for me to be present and have my head on straight and to run things and to make sure that everything's going smoothly and to talk with a lot of different people to network. But I was very distracted. I kept checking my phone, kept looking out for him and he never showed up. He didn't respond to any of my texts. And he didn't respond to any of my texts after that. So after that, that night where I cockblocked myself or what, whatever, things just didn't happen. I don't even know if that term's required or accurate. Um, things didn't happen that night. And then afterwards, which I thought we ended the night totally fine and amicably, he never texted me again. And that was that. So I got ghosted, <laughs> which let me be clear. I don't think ghosting's cool. If you, it's, it's different. Okay. And there's different levels and I can go way into that. But in general, if you've just been texting back and forth and the conversation kind of drifts and you kind of ghost each other, that's totally fine. If you ghost on text, it's still rude, but it's less has been kind of invested after you've met up with a person especially after you've met up with them more than once and you ghost, that's an asshole move. That's that's not cool. I don't think that's, that's, that's kind or respectful or mature. I think the dignified, kind, respectful thing to do is be an adult and say, hey, it was really great to meet you. I didn't, I don't really see this going anywhere. I really like enjoy getting to know you, but yeah, I just don't see this going anywhere or I'm not romantically interested in you. And I've had to say that myself. Um, I think I've ghosted, truly ghosted like one person, but I don't think anybody else I've ghosted. I think every single person else, because I just hated the idea and people doing that to me, even via text, that I made it a point, like, if I don't want to go out on another date with you, I'll tell you. I was like, this is my, my like philosophical mind. I was like, this is my test as like a grown woman to own my choices and to walk my talk and not be a dick. So if somebody invites me out to a second date or wants to keep talking to me and I'm not feeling it, I have to learn how to be direct and tell them like, Hey, it was really great getting to know you. I'm really flattered that you're asking me out again, but I'm, I don't, I don't feel romantically interested in you. I'm interested in being friends if you are, but if that's not something you're interested in, I totally understand, but thank you anyway. That's, that's been my response. I got ghosted. Now, mind you, Let's reassess. Like I, I'd, I'd rebounded with this guy really, because um, the previous relationship had literally just ended. As I ascended into the air on the aeroplane to this city, I had just ended another relationship. So I was 
totally in rebound zone. Um, I did click with this guy. It was really fun, but I was already hurting. You know what I'm saying? Like I was not in a really good place from the get go when I met this guy. So to get ghosted, it was like a double nay, triple whammy. I don't know why triple. I just like, I'll take it up a notch because it felt really, really shitty. It felt really bad. So I got ghosted and then I happened to have extended this trip past my event because I wanted to like kick it there for a while. So I stayed in the city for another like three days after that. And I knew where this fool lived. Like I (laughs) was not far from him, you know, and every day you guys, this is me being very, very honest. I was like hoping, wishing and praying that he would just text me. And I would love to tell you that I stopped texting him that I like, maintained my pride. And after him not showing up to my event, after he told me he would come after not responding to any of my texts that day, I wish I could tell you that I let it go. And I like, you know, cut myself off from him and stopped reaching out. Girl, I wish I could say that to you. I wish I could say that to you, but I did not. Okay. I was there another three days. And I think I made it through the next day, the next day after I didn't say anything, I think, but the following day I caved and I reached out again. I was like, Hey, you know, no big deal. I know, um, you didn't come out or something, but I'm here another day. If you want to like hang out, blah, blah, blah. Okay. So I'm just, I'm like turning red right now, but yeah, I I reached out again before I left because I had another day left and I wondered like, Maybe something happened. Maybe there was like a family emergency. I don't know. Like he had like some crazy work project that he had to stay up overnight for and like totally slept through the day. I don't know. Like came up with every scenario under the sun of like why he might have like completely neglected to respond to any of my texts after or show up to my event or apologize or anything, just any response. And I already have a very soft spot and this goes way deep into like my baggage and my past, but I do not like it when people leave me on red. I just think that it's so mean. And there's different scenarios. Like if it's the end of a conversation, like, yeah, you can leave me on red, but like, just, you know, that, you know what I mean? So that ended, I flew back to LA crestfallen. Like I was so dejected, feeling every level of rejection, feeling incredibly insecure. And just all up in my head, feeling like literally five times worse than when I got there, which I already thought that I felt bad when I got there because I just ended things with some another guy that I had liked and that we'd been connected and all that and being disappointed for that. I left (laughs) within the span of a week. I had like quadrupled, quintupled my despair. It was just so, it sucked, you guys. Mind you, I had two really great events. And otherwise, it was great to see my friends. I had gone to some good parties. Like, it was really, really fun. The other aspect of this trip, in terms of being with a collab team, having a good time, it was excellent. But I cannot erase or take away the fact that, like, this had transpired in parallel with all this awesomeness. I'd also had, like, the worst week of my life. So it was, it was bad, you guys. So I got home. And, um, again, I would love to tell you that it ended there, that I went home and I ate ice cream and I watched some rom-coms and I talked to some girlfriends and nursed my wounds and came back, you know, better than ever. I wish that that was the story. It would be great if that was the story, but it does not end there. It continues. So I get back 
And I'm obsessing hardcore about like, why, what happened? What did I do? Was I that bad? Did I smell bad? Did I like have bad breath? Did I, what, what heinous thing did I do wrong to make him like go from, Hey, let's hang out three times in the matter of like a couple of days. And like, I want to come to your events and like, da, 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 da. And like, um, you know, wanting, he was like curious about like what I was doing as like an actor and all this other stuff. It was going so well. Like, how did it take such a sharp turn south? Like, how did this just evaporate from underneath me? I don't understand. And I have my pride and ego. I don't think I'm freaking Gigi Hadid, but like, we had a connection. And he had shown very clear signs of like being physically attracted to me. We had had a really good vibe. And like, all signs indicated like this was... It was good. What happened and why did it go so wrong? Could not let go. I could not. Okay. This went on not even a week. It's not even a week. I think it was like after I got back, I think maybe like four or five days, maybe five days. It was like just under a week. And in my head, I was like, don't, don't reach out to him. You're done. Like we left that back in that city. You're back in LA. You have new horizons to pursue. Suddenly I'm quoting Aladdin. You have new horizons to pursue. You are better than that. You know, okay, fine. That happened. It was embarrassing. Take the L, learn from it, move on. It was never, what did you expect? I'm literally having conversations with myself. Like, what did you expect? This wasn't going to, would you think you're going to marry this guy or like it's going to suddenly turn into like, I don't know, like the wedding planner or serendipity or some like random shit. Like this is not how real life works. Like, what were you thinking? This isn't going to turn into some whirlwind romance. Like it just doesn't work that way. It was supposed to be like a fun thing while you were there. And it was fun until all that happened and it ended up not fun. Get over it. Move on. And I was like, but I, then I'm arguing back at myself. I was like, but I still have questions and I just want to understand. And, uh, you know, like if he doesn't care anyway, like I just don't, I deserve answers. Like if I, if I have no pride left, like I have nothing to lose. Right. My God, these are the kinds of things that were, I was seeing in my head. So I told you how, like he came to an event of mine. Right. And I told you how we talked about my acting and all that stuff. So in the short span of time in those like three crazy days of us, like talking so much and texting back and forth and all that stuff, I had his email. I had his email and I was like, (laughs) should I text him more? No, I'd already done that. Didn't respond. Should I call him? That felt too much. I was like, I don't think I can handle that. Email, email, email. Yeah. So I emailed him. (laughs) I know you guys, I knew some of you might be screaming at me. I'm screaming at me and be like, girl, no, don't do it. Any one of my friends would be screaming at me. Minji, put your computer away. Do not email him. You've done enough. You have sought his attention enough, especially after he ghosted you, very clearly ghosted you, and you can't reaching out to him and he still did not answer you. You're done, honey. You're done. Just leave it alone. Put away your computer. And this is me opening my laptop (laughs) and opening up Compose. Yeah, you guys, it was. So I emailed him and um, 
if you haven't noticed by now, especially my podcast, brevity is not my strong suit. <laughs> um, I have lots of thoughts and feelings. And in general, for the most part, I think I like that about myself. I can, I can express myself. I expressed myself in this email to him. Um, it could have been short and brief and sweet and been like, Hey, so, you know, but if I'm going to write my, if I'm like literally have nothing to lose, just want to get answers and want to put my bleeding heart on a platter, if you will, I mean, I'm going to put it all out there. And at this point I do in my defense, in my defense to stop rolling your eyes at me in my defense, I had processed a lot. And to a degree, the way that I rationalized a lot of things in my head and honestly genuinely concluded, I was like, really, I have nothing to lose. If you already ghosted me, like you don't want anything to do with me and we're already in different cities, like literally, uh, it's like, I'm not going to lose anything. That was genuinely a part of like my mindset. I was like, I don't have anything to lose. Also, because of my background, like the things that I've gone through in my like terrible relationships and all the different mistakes that I've made, because I've made many, many, many. um, I've also learned that my approach in life, depending on like how high or dangerous the situation is, I would rather take the risk than not. Um, I I have had many instances in my life where like I didn't say the thing that I wanted to say. I didn't express my love or my frustration, even like my honest truth. Like I didn't express myself and I let it lie dormant in me because I was either too scared, mainly too just too scared to say it. And, you know, there's, there's a quote that is a dangerous quote. So proceed with caution with this, but it's the idea of like, I would rather regret the things I've done, than the things I haven't done. And at that point in my life with a lot of things that I hadn't done that I had kind of like, especially with the terrible boyfriend that I had as a teenager where I gave him complete and utter control over my life and like literally made, let him make all my decisions for me and therefore lost out on a really important, precious part of my life as a teenager and adolescent and college student and all this stuff. Um, I didn't want to walk away with regrets. So I was very much in the mindset of like, Hey, if I'm going to say it, I'm going to say it. Um, because if you're going to think that I'm weird, then I'll own that. I'm an adult, like then think I'm weird, but you ghosted me and I want to, I want to understand what happened and he could very well not respond, but I just chose to write this letter. So I'd had a certain level of peace with it and okayness of like, if he doesn't respond, if he thinks I'm weird, which I'm sure he already does and, um, whatever, like all these negative things, if those things, I thought those through and I was like, those could very well be the case. And if that happens, then so be it. Um, and I, I challenged myself. I was like, if you're going to write this, like, just be really honest about what your thoughts are. Don't hold back. Say what you think. Um, and I think I'd already called him out on the ghosting thing via text, but I reiterated it in the email. And so I wrote an email, something to the effect of, I have it, but I'm not reading it for you guys. But the summary of it was like, Hey, um, I wanted you to know that like, aside from you ghosting me, which I, you know, sucks, which sucks happen. You know, I did enjoy getting to know you. I wanted you to know, like, I had a really great time with you. Um, I apologize. I, I genuinely felt sorry. Cause I, I think at least at certain points that night that I like cockwalk myself, I did, I rejected him, you know, like he had been very sweet and I like, anyway, I wanted him to know like, Hey, I was genuinely really tired that night. Um, if I like, not offended you, but I was basically like, 
I'm sorry that it wasn't like as fun as I wanted it to be too. And I admitted I like was very vulnerable. I said like, I just thought you were really cute. I was nervous and I was really tired. So, um, X, Y, Z, you know, and essentially I was like, I'm probably going to be, I'm going to be back in that city again, for sure. Like I was going to be back for the next year's festival. And like, I was going to be around, I go to the city a lot. So I was like, if I ever bump into you, I genuinely don't want it to be weird. Um, if you ever care to like be friends or cordial or whatever, like I just don't want it to be strange. If I ever run into you again, it was something to that effect, but longer, a lot more words. <laughs> so I wanted to reiterate that I was calling him out on the ghosting, tell him I'm sorry if I like rejected or made him feel rejected or whatever by that. Um, quickly, I got a response. Yeah, I got a response. And the answer was a bit like, not like, then it made me go like, man, I didn't know if I wanted to get this answer, but basically didn't own up to like feeling rejected. He's that was not even addressed. It was like, honestly, like I don't date. So I don't, I, I like forgot or like, it was very disappointing, but if it's honest and I'm not going to call him a liar, if that's the truth, Hanging out with me the next day wasn't very important. So basically, it wasn't important. I think he forgot and he doesn't date. So he doesn't like know how to handle it and like wanted to answer, but didn't. And then just kind of let it go because I was like someone from LA and it wasn't going to, it wasn't supposed to be a thing anyway, which that part made sense. However, I think the not responding part still called that action, that behavior out as just a dick move, like lame, womp, womp, womp. So that was the answer. I got my answer. It was eh, mildly comforting and it was, it was cordial. It was like, you know, like I had fun with you too. And like, yeah, if you're ever back in, in my part of town again, like don't be a stranger, like definitely hit me up if you want. So it, yeah. So that's the story of like a heinous rejection. The reason why I wanted to share it are my thoughts afterwards. So you guys got a glimpse into one of the experiences that I have, one of many stories um, and why I felt so compelled to share it is because in, in that week, in that 10 day period, the amount of rejection that I felt was like very significant. And I think I was grappling with a very important part of me, which is like having some level of like self-love and dignity and having value in myself and wanting to protect that, but not having fully matured yet in that area. I think those rejections, both the ones that I, the one that I experienced on my way into the plane where we were breaking up because that person wasn't ready for the relationship and was dealing with his own personal things. And I was feeling rejected again, as I got, went to that city. And then the experience that I had going through with this guy those are really like, they still stand out to me as really important, really important lessons in my life about the way that I coped with my mental health. Um, the way the narrative that I had in myself, they still stick out to me to this day as a very important inflection point. I would love to say that that was like, you know, a resolving moment for me. It wasn't, but it was a really important learning moment for me. And I want to share this because I've been, again, really lucky to hear a lot of people's different 
dating issues and a lot of the self-talk that we have in our heads and the level of insecurity and the way that we project our needs onto other people. And if anybody is interested in psychology, I highly recommend diving into understanding attachment styles, understanding childhood trauma. These are all related. And I know that they sound so cliche, but well, at least to me, because I've spent so much time looking into them, they make a lot of sense and they are very, very educational and objective in terms of the ways that we tick as human beings. Now, I share this because I've heard and felt so much pain myself, and I've heard and felt it from friends of mine and from other people around me. Definitely a lot of the younger folks that I've been around from collaboration and just people who have been very honest and open with me, even my peers, even honestly older people, like parent, people my parents' age have opened up to me about their deepest insecurities and pains. I see a very common thread of like fear of rejection and the lasting scar that it leaves on you when you don't or can't make sense of like why it happened. And when you don't come to peace with those things, these weren't the first times that I've experienced rejection. I have experienced rejection multiple times before that in deep ways. Right. But I think it was just like the point that I was at where I was really stepping into my own as like a freewheeling adult, trying to make all these decisions for myself, exploring what my boundaries were, um, seeing who I could, you know, who I could engage with and how and how that would play out. It was an important lesson for me. So the things that I want to share from that, you know, are very much related to mental health as much as like for somebody, it might seem like, oh, dating and rejection and mental health, like feels like a stretch. I really don't see anything that could be closer to be honest, for me, at least for someone that's been so um, deeply involved in like romance and romanticizing a lot of different scenarios based on the narratives that I've been either influenced by or adopted myself or built and perpetuated in my own mind based on Disney K-pop, um, Saved by the Bell and she's all that. I don't know, like all these things and Britney Spears and all, all the, all the pop culture that ever like infiltrated my brain and like just poisoned my entire psyche of like what my expectations about love were. And also the way that my parents interacted with each other, what I witnessed and lived through growing up, what I was taught by church, um, what I was influenced and shaped by Korean culture, which is its own like huge doozy of a, a thing. All these different things influenced what my expectations of myself were and what my expectations of the opposite sex, because I am interested in men and in a heterosexual relationship, what I interpreted that was supposed to be like and what it meant if it didn't go the way that I thought it was supposed to go. Okay. Um, these are all really, really personal, private things that we all struggle with depending, no matter who you love. Like, I think we all just have different hopes and dreams and aspirations and expectations when it comes to what we're hoping will come out of a certain, especially romantic situation. And I'm still learning it to this day, y'all. I'm in my mid thirties. Like I'm not a spring chicken and I've been through many, many battles, many, many wars at this point. Um, and I'm still coming to terms with the way that I deal with rejection. And I wanted so much for this podcast to be a space where I could talk to my friends and I could talk to experts and I could even talk by myself to share this with a community because I think that this applies to everybody, no matter who you are. Um, and... Again, the numbers reflected. It's something that we care about a lot. Out of all my episodes, you guys, the dating ones, the love romance ones, 
The numbers show it. We care about this. This is why we listen to music and have movies, okay? Because we can't. Why it's so freaking hard to get over somebody. And how sometimes you realize, like, it's not even about that somebody. It's about how they made you feel, right? Like, again, I won't speak on your behalf, but I'll say 100%. A lot of the the scenarios that I got so crushed by is because I was honestly pretty addicted to that high of being wanted. And that's something that I deeply needed so hard and so badly throughout my life. And there is the part that it's like pure and beautiful. And it's just because you see somebody else who's beautiful and amazing. And you, it's really nice to put somebody on a pedestal and just like see the best. Like you just see all, they don't have, you know, you don't even see their enlarged pores. You don't see that, you know, their bad posture. They're perfect to you. There's something really beautiful about that. And I don't want to take away anything from the lovely side of romance and like feeling butterflies for somebody. I think it's really just honestly one of the best things in the world. But I also think that depending on how we grow up and the ways that we're acclimated to view ourselves and love ourselves and or not love ourselves, um, the ways that we can reject our own selves, berate ourselves, criticize ourselves, not feel like we're worthy of love, how quickly that can become pretty poisonous, how addictive that high can be, and how much we can all crave that attention from outside sources. And you can want that from work. You can want that from money and success and titles. I definitely have had that as well Um, from like popularity, from I mean, look at so many of the celebrities out there. I mean, really, though, I can attest to that. I know several celebrities up front, close and personal. A lot of them are very unhappy in their own personal lives and they need that validation. And that's why they crave it and they'll do anything for it. Right. Um, some people just need that. I mean, I feel like there's parts of me that's just a workaholic. I get a very important validation from making money as much money as possible. And maybe even more so getting certain accolades and titles and achievements. We all need different types of affirmations and validations, right? I think essentially it's nothing super wrong with that. It's nice to feel praised and it's nice to feel appreciated. I think those are really good things. And it's nice to feel like you've made an impact and you've done something valuable for a company or for the world or for a piece of art, whatever it is. I think those are good things, but not but. And I think there are other parts of that, other facets that can coexist that are not, it's not just all hearts and daisies and roses and sunshine. You know, they're there are darker parts to that. That's the nature of humanity. That's the nature of all of us. We are all a hero and we're all a villain. We're all mixed up. We got dark and light all mixed up in there. And I'm one of those. So as much as like, it's a very natural thing to be attracted to other human beings and to connect with them and have chemistry and romance and all that stuff. There are very deeper layers there that I, for myself, in especially in this story I just shared, that really got deeply examined as a result. Because the level of my intensity and my obsessiveness with like, why won't this person answer me and my inability to let go and just like, I couldn't leave those stones unturned. And there's something that I was like telling myself in terms of a narrative of like how much I messed up or how, oh, then I just wasn't like pretty enough and comparing myself to like, Literally not even past girls that he dated because he, he he told me himself he hadn't dated, had a girlfriend in like years. But like looking at his Instagram and looking at the other types of girls that were in his pictures with them because he hung out with a lot of pretty white girls. 
I literally, it was regurgitating all these old narratives that I've been fed since I was a little kid about how I wasn't as pretty as a white girl. Like that feels embarrassing for me to say out loud, especially on air. And I don't know how many number of people are going to hear this, but that's something that like I've genuinely struggled with as far back as I can remember. I think really since Brian Haas days. Oh, Brian, you're so wonderful. You're such a cute Dracula. But even in kindergarten, there was a, I don't even know if it was like the dolls I played with. Maybe it was Barbie. Cause I started with Barbie really early, super early and all the cartoons and the Disney princesses. I just wanted to look like them. I just wanted to be as pretty as these like blonde hair, blue eyed princesses. And like, I wanted to look like Barbie. I wanted to, there's something that I just set aside myself in a different category. And there was something aspirational that I felt was Western beauty, which is Kelly Kapowski. Like I keep referring to her because she was like one of the, you know, the ideals. And I counted myself out of so many different scenarios because this dude is not the first one that this happened with. I have other stories. I'll write them down and we can all laugh over them and like commiserate and cry and it's all good. But in this story, like even like I was like, oh, you know, he's a cute Korean guy. And again, I even there, I like started fantasizing like, oh, like my parents will be so happy. Even that, that goes to my Korean culture. I was like, what if I brought home a Korean guy that would make my parents so happy? And like, blah, 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 blah. He didn't even, I don't even think he spoke Korean very well. So like, it's literally just his race like, and his ethnicity. But that alone, I, that's something that like my parents had fed me or at least my mom and like my grandma and aunts and uncles and like other people were like, find a nice Korean boy. So there's something in that that I was like aspiring to. But the fact that like he hung out with so many pretty white girls, I was like in that in that arena, just like berating myself. And I was like, oh, Minji, you'll never look like that. You, do, you They're so cute. And like, oh, there's something so like effortless about white beauty. I don't know. Like, I know that that's not true. And I know that white girls have plenty of issues. I watch TikTok. I understand it's a thing and I'm not, we're not different, but there is a difference too, in terms of how we experience the universe. Me as an Asian American girl, even one that grew up with other Asian American girls around me um, and other Asian American girls that I thought were really pretty. Right. So like, I thought other Asian American girls were like, I thought I was ugly compared to them. And then furthermore, put me in the mix with like pretty white girls like not even like I'm a troll under a bridge, like covered in warts. Like that's literally how I have by default, not even consciously, not that I'm trying to by default, that's where I would categorize myself. And I know on an objective level that that's false. It's not true, but it's different when that's what you believe. You know what I'm saying? So these rejections were very key. I thank them. That's where I'm at in my life. I thank a lot of, I think all of my painful moments, maybe even especially my painful moments, because they were huge. Like they like cracked me open. Nothing cracks you open like a broken heart. It's just the truth. Again, why we have songs and movies and books and stories for days. That's why we're always going to be drawn to those because we know on a very visceral level, nothing cracks you open like a broken heart. And your heart can get broken in so many ways. It's insane. Like the number of ways are exponential. It's just crazy. The littlest things that can break your heart. And that depends on who you are and what you've been through and the traumas you've had and your particular personality and what your sun sign is and what your rising sign is and what your Venus sign is. Like 
depends. Everybody's really different, right? And what your expectations and what your hopes and what your your kinks and your turn-ons and your like what you're drawn to, everybody's so different. So the things that can impact you and potentially hurt you are are exponential too. And I think like in a good place, in a poetic place, like that's beautiful. It's what makes life so beautiful and complex and varied and worth living because we get to experience this variety of emotion and then like learn from them and grow for them and then learn and experience new beautiful things as a result. I still see that right now. Clearly I'm in a better place, but at that time I was like in the deepest of deep lows and the way that I would self-medicate, I mean, this continued on like the, the dating app thing continued on and I have lots of thoughts on that, but we won't get into that now. But there's a lot of self-medicating that I did by these distractions of trying to make myself feel better because I was feeling so bad about myself. And when it comes to mental health, I I just want to leave folks with this, that there are a number of ways that we show up and experience life. And there's a level of like taking responsibility that I have really, really dived into head first and like really committed to, especially as of late, especially in the last like year and a half, um, that has changed my life, I believe, for the better. It hasn't made it more comfortable, but it's made it better because I truly think I have stepped out of the victim mentality. When you're in the victim mentality, when I'm in the victim mentality, I'm thinking about all the ways that things are happening to me. So it's not even like blaming it to like all other people. I just feel like the circumstances, life, like why did this happen versus like, why did this happen to me? And even when I'm blaming myself, like why did, what, what did I do? Like blaming myself and turning myself into like just the most, the biggest fuck up on the place of the, on the face of the earth, you know, having that narrative has been very toxic in my opinion, very incorrect and very damaging. These rejections and these experiences in my life have taught me that life is happening through me, not to me. Taking responsibility is a very bitter, tough pill to swallow, but it is a very important healing pill. Okay. Not big on pharmaceuticals. I do not. Thank you, Pfizer and Moderna for your vaccine. But in general, I'm not, I'm not big on the meds, but run with me on this metaphor. That pill is something once you swallow and once you can really start to digest and take some time to like, let it heal and think about all the different ways that the ways that you have been behaving, the choices that you have made, the stories that you have been telling yourself on a conscious and unconscious level, it's life-changing. And I'm not here to blame you or anybody. This is, an, again, a normal part of being a human being. But I encourage people, listen to the stories that you're telling yourself, especially when you're in those dark places, especially when you're like feeling the rejection. The narratives that I have been telling myself are very, very negative, very toxic, very incorrect. I've been telling myself like, well, nobody would want you. You're not even, you're not even pretty enough to blah, blah, blah. You're not, you're not skinny enough for blah, blah, blah. Oh, you talk too much. Like 
nobody wants to talk with you because you just, you, you start on a topic and you just, you know, like everything under the sun, you guys, these are things that would run through my head and they're not true, but I believe them. You think a thought enough, you believe it. Once you believe it, you start living it. I'll tell you that. And that's where it goes into law of attraction stuff because you don't get the stuff that you want. You get the stuff that you are. So when you can recognize certain patterns on an objective level, on a very non-confrontational, not hostile, not, you know, foaming at the mouth, like just trying to like rip yourself apart and find out who's the culprit or who's the villain. Not that, but on an observational mode, (laughs) because this is how you can practice kindness to yourself is to step out of like any blaming And just look, like, look at the data for a second and be like, what are the types of relationships that I end up getting in? When I deal with rejection, how do I deal with that? Um, When I'm rejected, how do I feel? Why do I feel that way? What are the ways that I try to distract myself? Are those ways healthy? Is there somebody else that can help me? Is there somebody else that I can, is there something that I'm not doing to help myself? Do I think that I'm really worthy of happiness and love? What can I do if that answer happens to be no? Being being brave enough to answer those questions to yourself. Again, I'm not a clinical psychologist. I'm just me. This is stuff that I'm like saying from my experience. Learning how to like step outside yourself and talk to yourself as a friend. Nay, not even as a friend, as like a counselor, as just like a good Samaritan. Somebody that would like see somebody in pain and be like, hey, what's going on? Are you okay? To ask yourself, like, are you really okay? If you're not okay, that's okay. People are allowed to be not okay. And then to soothe yourself. I've taken years, you guys, and I'm still getting better at it. I had a meltdown today. I'm not even lying. I had a full on like crying my eyes out meltdown today because of a bad conversation with a family member. I'm still working through stuff. And I still got so frustrated because I was saying the same stuff when I started crying. It triggered the same kind of negative self-talk. And I had to talk myself down from that again. But those are the things that we got to do. Otherwise, the pattern keeps repeating. So if somebody out there is listening to this and noticing, hey, you know, find me somebody that deals with rejection in a great way. There are people that honestly I've seen like deal with it better than not. There are ways that you can deal with rejection very, very badly. And we know examples of that. Y'all know it can get very dangerous and very, very bad. I've dealt with it firsthand myself. And I've been terrible dealing with rejection by inflicting harm on myself by trying to self-medicate by whatever, getting my fix at whatever will make me feel better. But not realizing that that problem is like me trying to solve something. Those attempts to like distract myself, numb myself, make myself feel better, get the validation that I want, feel pretty again, feel wanted, feel desired, whatever it is, that's me trying to fix a problem. So get to the problem. What is the actual problem there? Is it not feeling particularly good about yourself? I mean, I know this gets really deep, but y'all know me on first of all. So we're just totally on brand here. I'm going to go with it. I'm asking you guys because I care about you and because I really personally, I, from what I've experienced and what I've been very lucky enough to like see and know about a lot of different people who trust me with their secrets and with their deepest, darkest feelings. We have a lot of self-care that we really need to do. And I know that self-care becomes like the soundbite that everybody just like sees as a hashtag and sees as an Instagram caption. And they're like, oh, self-care, cool, cool, cool. And it just becomes like this eye roll thing, the same way that we've treated like, oh my God, I'm, drink- I'm doing yoga and drinking a green smoothie. I get it. Like 
trust me, I, I can roll my eyes too. But the true practicality of it is, is that self-care and self-love is paramount. It is so important. Unless that part of life is addressed in your life and mine, I think we're going to keep running into some major problems. We're going to have problems no matter what. Like, I feel like life is just constantly a series of challenges that we got to overcome. But I'm talking about like this ongoing progression and it can honestly get worse because they, they accumulate, you know what I mean? And like that cumulative effect of like, trust me, y'all, I know what it feels. I want to put my head through a wall of like, why am I dealing with the same stupid ass problem again? Why do I even feel, I feel worse than the first time, right? Because it's like, the 10th rejection instead of the first, right? I mean, I don't know. I can't speak on your behalf. I'm just sharing my thoughts. I have felt that. So if you're trying to address the same problem with the same tactics that clearly don't work, we got to try new things. So in light of it being Mental Health Awareness Month and in, in light of my wealth of experience in excavating my feelings around rejection and my insecurities. And honestly, I know I've shared a lot. I still feel like I've only like addressed the tip of the iceberg. Those are things I really want to encourage you guys with all the love in my heart to seek out answers for, to be mindful of that. We are all dealing with our own stuff. So try to find, you know, a good setting with a good person who is actually able to help you. You know, I do think that therapy with the right person, maybe not the right person right out the gate, because sometimes it takes a minute to find the right connection, even with your therapist, not just in dating, but, um, finding somebody that can really like hear you out. There is a lot of power in saying things out loud. I will, I will attest to that times a thousand. Cause I thought I had resolved a lot of things and it's been very different for me now actually having a weekly therapy session. It's been very different for me having articulated some of these things that I've gone through in my life on this podcast. It has been extremely liberating. It's been very humbling and it's been very healing. And I didn't expect that. I really thought it'd just be like this fun thing and, you know, wondering what I could get out of it. And I didn't fully know what to expect, but I can say with just the amount that I have, with the four years of this podcast, with, you know, the year and a half of therapy that I've gone through consistently, I'm constantly surprised at how much it does help. Um, and I've heard that same feedback from a lot of other folks and many of those folks who were non-believers, who really were a skeptical and, you know, resistant to trying it out as I was. I have a lot of pride, you guys, even though I've recommended to everybody, I was like, but not for me. Not consciously, subconsciously. I think I was really rejecting. I was like, I don't want to have to have therapy. I'll figure it out myself. I didn't. You guys, I really didn't figure it out myself. And I kept getting taught the same damn lesson until I learned it. That's what happens in life. Sorry to say. Notice the patterns. You can do something about it. I promise you. And I also can say... As dire and as intensely bad as it can feel, and I know how bad it can feel, I hope that you can be kind to yourself, truly. Just do me a favor, even if you don't feel like you're worth doing that favor for, but <laughs> for your good old pal Minji, who's like podcasting into your ear and your brain, please be kind to yourself, especially when you feel like you're like nothing. I know how hard it is, okay? Um, and I know that you've also survived other bad moments. 
We also need reminders about that. I need reminders about that, that I've overcome so many bad things, right? Those are good reminders to have saying, I've overcome so much at this point in my life, I can overcome this. And it really might be, again, just a moment to moment thing, but you can handle it. And rejection in your heart, you know, from somebody that you had placed a certain amount of love and hope and love and investment and expectation to have that not work out can be really, really, really soul crushing in this very specifically extraordinary way that I, a lot of other things can't compare. But you'll be okay. You will be okay. And I hope that you'll get the help that you need. And I hope that you will please excuse what's happening in the background. Because I live in LA and we have a, <laughs> a helicopter circling my neighborhood. My goodness. Well, I think that's cueing me to wrap this up. Thank you guys for listening. I hope that you got a laugh. Honestly, if you laughed and you cringed and like all that stuff, you... If you um, lovingly judged me, I understand. <laughs> I'm putting myself on the chopping block just because like it's a real story that really happened. There's still a little part of me that like mm, I re I resurfaced that email. I read it and I was like, I screamed legit. I was I. sorry about this helicopter. I hope you can hear me. So, but I, I for real like slammed my lap I didn't like break my laptop but I closed my laptop because I got embarrassed for a hot second rereading my email I was like oh my god Minj I can't believe you did that life is full of that I laugh mostly I'm just like I'm totally cool that guy we're we're chill we actually became Facebook friends after like plot twist he added me on Facebook like a month or two later um see like that's a whole other story but anyway he added me on Facebook we're chill. He's like madly in love with the right woman of his dreams. And man, I want to add this too, because I really, I really wish I had said this earlier. When things don't work out, a lot of things that don't work out are for your, I think everything that doesn't work out truly for me, it is for your benefit. Okay. If it's not for you at the end of the day, I cock blocked myself because I didn't want to hook up with him at that night. I liked him. It was pleasant, but I wasn't ready to like have an intimate moment. Like clearly at the place I was at, I wasn't ready for it. It wasn't a good time for that. Who knows what would have happened if we had continued the conversation. But at the end of the day, I still believe that things happen as they are meant to. I was not meant to end up with that guy. Thank God that like it ended as amicably as it did. And at the end of the day, like I dealt with rejection. Yeah, but there's so many other heinous ways and so many more dramatic ways that 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 whole thing could have played out. And it didn't. It was actually pretty low key at the end of the day. Um, so just realize that there are a lot of things in all of our lives that didn't work out and it was for our highest good. It was because it wasn't meant to be. And if it is meant to be, and you feel that tug in your heart and, and things align so that it can allow for you to grow into a certain type of person and you can reapproach something at a later time because you're better equipped to handle it then by all means, I'm not saying like, just cause it didn't happen then doesn't mean it could never happen. But if at that time it didn't work out, there's also a lesson to learn of like, it just wasn't meant to work out at the time. And it's okay. It's okay. That can be really hard to, to convince 
yourself sometimes and accept. It takes time. I understand. But I'm just reminding you. Loving hug from Minji. I love you so much. Um, things that are that are not meant to be, they, they are not going to work out. So just look at things from a different perspective, too. There's silver linings to every bad thing, you know. Sometimes we got to have no's. A lot of times we have to have no's so that the yeses, the right yeses can find us. Okay. Or that you can encounter that right yes. It'll happen. I believe in you. I love you so much. And thank you for tuning into this very long story session and uh, thought sharing from Minji Chang. <laughs> You're on first of all for this week. Um, please love yourself. Tell a different story in your head. Reshape your freaking narrative. You are the writer of your story. So if you don't like how the story's been going, rewrite it. Make yourself the hero and have a good chat with yourself. Answer your questions and show yourself some love. Seriously. All of us are figuring it out. None of us are exempt from it. I don't care how beautiful or accomplished you think XYZ person is. They're all going through their own stuff too. They have their baggage. They have their wounds. And we're all figuring it out. So you're going to be okay. I love you very much. And thank you for tuning in. Okay? I'll talk to you guys soon. Thank you to Marvin Yue. You guys stay to the end because we have an amazing song um, featured from my girl Jane Louie. I freaking love Jane so much. Her artist name is Surija and it's her song How Do I. So please stay to the end because that is our feature song for the outro this week. Thank you to Uzuhan for his use of his song Uzu Trap for the intro. Thank you to Marvin Yue, my audio engineer and producer. Thank you to Juliana for being on the First of All team and helping me get this out into the world to share with everybody. Thank you to my Patreon patrons. I freaking love you guys so much. Thank you for standing by me and supporting me, helping me keep the microphone on. The Patreon patron that I'd love to do a special shout out to this week is Lance Harula. Lance, I love you so much. You are one of the most positive people that I've ever met. One of the most hardworking and generous, thoughtful, kind people that I know here in L.A., collaboration family. I love you. You represent Houston hard and I love it. Thank you for supporting me in first of all and as a friend. I just, I love you so much. Thank you, Lance. And if you'd like to support, first of all, um, as a financial backer, you can go to patreon.com slash first of all podcast. And if you opt to make a donation, you can also go to first of all pod and find a way to support me. There are links there at first of all pod.com. And thank you so much. I've had this past week, I've had two wonderful gifts sent my way from listeners and I appreciate you guys so much. It truly means so much to me. Um, I just appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you to everyone who's been leaving me reviews. Um, it's been awesome. Thank you for following along, subscribing, leaving me a five-star review. So if you enjoyed this and you want to share it with a friend, go share it with a friend. You can share my crazy story. Um, but please subscribe and leave a five-star review. I very much appreciate that. And uh, yeah, you can find, first of all, on all the, all the podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher wherever you find podcasts. I'm a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective, which is a collective of Asian American podcasters and storytellers. Go check them out. There's some awesome shows out there with some additional stories and commentary um, that you'll enjoy. So check that out. Um, I believe that that is it. Happy APAM, everybody, and happy Mental Health Awareness Month. Um, thank you to everybody who's been tuning along. It's been such a crazy ride creating, first of all, sharing these stories. Um Heal something inside, you know, one degree better every day is still worth it. 
So take care of yourselves and then we can show up for the rest of the world because the rest of the world does need your light. It needs your positivity. It needs your efforts and your love. Um, and we can't do that until we love ourselves properly. So please do that work. I, I'm right there working alongside you. Now I'm thinking of this of seven dwarves right now. Like, hi-ho, off to work we go. I'm leaving now. That's the end of this podcast. I need to go to sleep. I love you guys. Talk to you soon. Bye. Seven years. Has it been that long? Uh huh. Oh. Uh, I was on a fishing boat. Training. It's part of the plan. Pla- what training? What plan? The, 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 the third season of the Korean Drama Podcast! Okay, we're doing this again? Okay, but there's no body switching in this one, right? No! The only thing we're switching is the fact that we're gonna watch a good drama this time. From 2020, called Itaewon Class! A story about starting a restaurant and a dish that Koreans love called revenge. I thought you were going to say kimchi jjigae. I thought you were going to say juke. Those two. Koreans love those two. Listen to the Korean Drama Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. Part of the Potluck Podcast Collective.